0: Welcome to Inspire Churches Podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning, Inspire family. This is great. Uh, And uh, it is awesome for us to be back Uh, in person. This is now our third week, fourth week, fourth week. Wow. Uh, And that has flown by super fast. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. How's that sound? Lord, we just thank you. Your word is true. And I pray God that as we just begin to mine it for its wealth and its worth, Lord God, that your spirit will just illuminate to us its truths, God, and help us to make those applicable to our lives. We thank you, Lord God, because you are great and you are grand. We praise you, Holy Spirit, because you are full of mercy and grace and forgiveness that knows no bounds, Heavenly Father. No matter where we go, there's not a place that your love cannot reach, that your word is not true, that your light cannot shine through, and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, somebody say... I was going to say hallelujah, but you guys got it. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> amen, amen, and amen. Uh, I'm excited for the summer series coming up. I hope you guys are. Those are going to be some amazing topics that we are going to go through. Some are controversial, uh, and those are always fun, uh, and so we're going to have a great time. Uh, I remember um, when uh, I was boarding an airplane, and the reason I was thinking about this is because I'm going to be speaking somewhere shortly and they're going to fly me out and i remember thinking you know i never really listened to the flight attendants instructions on what to do if there's an emergency and that's pretty important you know what i mean so one day i was like i better listen and kind of figure out what it is that they're actually saying and so you know they're going through the instructions about your seat belt which i always have to like super adjust and they and they say okay so if these masks come down uh, they say the first thing you want to do is if we are you know getting to a place and the airplane's going down or they didn't use this language, but basically that's what I was hearing, and they said, this mask will drop in front of you, and and what you always want to do is you want to put your mask on first, your oxygen mask, before you help somebody put on theirs, and I thought, okay, you don't have to worry about that, I got that, yep, I'm going to make sure I'm good first, okay, wonderful, check. And then they said, uh, and check this out, they said, and then what you want to do is, is you want to uh, begin to take your head and put it in between your legs. <laughs> and so I'm kind of looking around and, and, and so I said, well, I'm, I'm, let me see if I can try this. And so I kind of I went down a little bit and I said, uh, nope, that ain't happening. And they said, and also underneath your seat Uh, it turns into a flotation device. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is dope, right? Like you pop it out and bam, a big old raffle happen. And the lady's like, no, 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 just your seat. The cushion itself is a flotation device. And so basically what I heard is everybody else will live, but Roger, you will die. That's basically what I heard. Like it is, I'm sorry. It's your time. You know, and so I began to pray, right? And I said, "Lord Jesus, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll change. You know, I'll never do this again." And I made all these promises. Lord, I promise I'll be different. And what I realized was is that I had not yet experienced real transformation. I, I hadn't experienced real change in that moment because I, my change was only based. On circumstance depending on the circumstance I was facing, it would depend on my the change that I would have in that moment. And as I began to think about, you know, the message that I that uh, was gonna be spoke today, and I was just praying and and I was trying to think about the conversations that I've had with many of you. Uh, throughout this past year. And, and what's interesting is, uh, before pandemic, m- many of us thought, man, you know, the Lord has changed my life, right? I'm a new person. I'm changed for the gospel. But then pandemic hit and we start going through all of this stuff. And then we realize, wait a minute, I don't know if I'm as changed as I thought I was. I thought I had already gotten over this, or I thought I was beyond that, or I thought my attitude towards this had changed, or I thought I could handle this type of thing differently. And, and, and come to find out, like, okay, wait a minute, maybe we're not as changed as we thought we were. And now that we're coming back in person, a lot of the conversations that I've been having with some of you is like, man, I can't, I, I need this. We need to get back in person because let, let me tell you something. I can't wait uh, for, for me to be able to change. And that's awesome. But what I'm worried about is that you will experience sort of a false. A form of change, of transformation, but maybe we haven't experienced real transformation. And so this morning, that's what the topic is about real transformation. And so you'll find my assignment in 2 Corinthians. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. And, and he actually wrote one before this uh, to them. And, and then about a year and a half later, he wrote this second one. And he actually wrote four. Uh, so this is actually the fourth letter to them. But, uh, the, but it's called 2 Corinthians. And we're gonna start in verse 15. And it says this. Yes, to this day... Whenever Moses is read, so whenever Moses is read, the commandments, the law, right, is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil's removed. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mm-hmm. There is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. See that word? Transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit transformed see it's interesting because oftentimes when we first come to Christ we, 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 we come to him sort of in the same way which is, is we, we come to him and we say listen uh, I want you to change my circumstances but without changing me Oftentimes, when we we first come to Christ, it's almost like trying on clothes, right? We want to see if it will sort of uh, uh, highlight the features that we love about ourselves and hide the features that we don't. And, And when Christianity doesn't do that, all of a sudden we get a little eerie and we say, well, I don't know if this is exactly what I thought I was going to sign up for. Um, and the problem is, is that when you enter into any relationship with the thought that, hey, I want you to accept me for me and I'm going to accept you for you. And listen, and I don't want you to change me at all. I just want you to accept me for me and you don't change me. That's going to be a very superficial relationship. It'll be very superficial because any relationship that has substance, change is inevitable. Change is inevitable. And there's a saying, old saying, I don't know who originally said it, but you know, there's an old saying that says, listen, you can come to Christ just as you are, but you can't stay that way. And, and many people have come to Christ and, or, or they've come to church or they've tried Christianity and, and been discouraged because they felt like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, isn't the church, aren't Christians supposed to be different? And so so what happens is they come and they have this experience and it's almost like a Wizard of Oz experience. Y'all remember Wizard of Oz, right? So you have Dorothy and Cowardly Lion and Scarecrow and Tin Man, right? And and, and little Toto and they're, you know, dancing down the yellow brick road and they're off to see the wizard and they finally get to the Emerald City and remember the horse of of different colors and they're they're riding it around and, and, and then they finally get in front of the Wizard of Oz and there's smoke and there's fire and all this stuff only to find out that behind the curtain... Behind it all is just a regular human being. And for many of us, we, we, we come to church and maybe we have that experience and wow, this is great, this is awesome and fire and smoke and this feels great. And then as you stay, you get to recognize that, wait a minute, the people that are here are broken just like I am. The people that are here are hurt just like I am. The people that are here are searching, and they're on a journey just like I am. And for some people, what that does is it forces them to say, well, I don't want to go to church because of that. But really what it is is they don't understand transformation. On the flip side of that coin, there's some people who have been to church and, they've, and they have a relationship with Christ and maybe you've been serving Christ for years and years and for some reason, your transformation, the, the change that the Holy Spirit is producing in you has stopped. Has stopped. For some reason, the growth has stunted and you've become content where you're at even though God is trying to get you to another degree of glory in him change, transformation. Now that word transformation actually comes from the word metamorphosis. And and, and metamorphosis is the same thing that happens to a caterpillar uh, turning into a butterfly. And so this caterpillar creates a chrysalis. And then in this chrysalis, and science isn't really sure how this happens, but but the caterpillar turns into this sort of molecular soup-like substance. And then from that soup-like substance comes a different creature. It has a different digestive system. It went from eating leaves to having nectar. It, it, has, a, it, it has different uh, structures because it went from no wings to having wings. It has, now now, it ha, now butterflies, I don't know if you know this, but butterflies have a navigation system within them. It is It is like it's a completely different creature, but yet the same creature. It's from the same thing. And this is what happens with metamorphosis. See, when you are changed, it's you, but it's not you. You see what I'm saying? It's me, but it's not me. The Roger you knew before Christ is the same Roger, but a different Roger. You see what I'm saying? It's the same, there's sameness, but there's something different. Metamorphosis, transformation, there's something different. There's something different. Say that, say there's something different. Metamorphosis. Now in all four of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's only one place that uses this word metamorphosis. And that's when Jesus is taking his three disciples up on a high mountain. Theologians have titled this section of the Bible, the Mount of Transfiguration. And this is what happens. Look at this. Matthew 17 says this. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. Metamorphosis. So that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. So here they are, and and these disciples are on this mountain having a mountaintop experience, and they see Jesus dramatically transformed. I mean, he's like a blinding white, right? Something about him is just completely changed. And then they also see Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law of the past, Elijah, a prophet, representing the Covenant of the future, and so here they are. And as they were speaking, in other words, Jesus is having a private conversation with Moses and Elijah. Right? As they were speaking, Peter decides to open his mouth. Look at verse 4. Y'all know anybody that just has to have an opinion? Has to, has to every time. Got to say something, God to say, they got to say something, it don't matter what it is right or you know the type of person would say anybody have a light a last question and you're already 30 minutes over and that one person has to have a last question so here's peter putting his foot in his mouth and he says lord this is wonderful for us to be here uh, if you want i'll make you three shelters these three tents as memorials one for you one for moses and one for elijah but even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Everybody say, Listen to him. Listen to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The disciples were terrified and fell down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched one of them and said, Get up. He said, Do not be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they only saw Jesus. See, I think part of the the, the issue that we have with transformation is because we don't understand the problem, the process, and the person. We don't understand what is the problem with transformation, what is the purpose, uh, the process of transformation, and the person of transformation. So we're going to get into that right now. Number one, what's the problem? What's the problem? Now the, now, just to guys know, I'm going to say this and there's actually two different problems I'm going to point out. There's many, but I'm only going to point out two. And this first one might not sound like a problem, but, but just hold on. Here's, here's problem number one, ready? It's for everybody. Transformation's for everybody. Tim Keller said this, the free gift of grace that transforms us is egalitarian, right? It, it, it's for everybody. It, it, it's for, it's for Esther who in the Bible, uh, the Bible tells us was brave and faithful and a godly woman, but it's also for the woman at the well who had five husbands and was a Samaritan, which basically means she was a social and moral outcast. It's for everybody, 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 everybody. Now you say, wait a minute, Pastor Roger, why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem for some people because what it means is you can't earn it. You can't earn it. It doesn't happen because you have attained a certain amount of church services or you've done many religious acts of goodness. And for some people, that's an issue because what it means is at some level, they have to to let go of control. See, some people like to earn this because what it means is, hey, I have control of my destiny. I have control of my life. I am the Lord of my life. I am the Savior of my life. And so as long as I can get these religious things done and do the checklist and, hey, give me the rules. What's the rules of Christianity so I can make sure to follow those to a T because I want to make sure that I get myself in. But you need to know that transformation is not earned. And for some people, that's a problem. The next thing is this, it's a process. Now now you say, wait a minute, I thought point two was what is the process. That's point two, we'll get into what the process is. But the problem is that it is a process. See, transformation will happen one day and is happening now. Transformation will happen one day and it's happening now. See, when Jesus took the disciples up to the Mount of Transfiguration, what he was showing them was that, hey, one day what's happening to me is going to happen to you. One day what you see happening to me will happen to you. Look at this. Philippians, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there who's the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So we have something to look forward to. Transformation will happen. But also, transformation is happening. In other words, what the gospel teaches us, what the Bible teaches us, is that transformation, real transformation, doesn't wait, doesn't happen when you get into heaven, but it starts now. It starts now. Going back to the verse from this morning, the verse that we are looking at for this message, 2 Corinthians 3, look what verse 18 says. He says, And we all, with unveiling faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You see that? And so it's not a contradiction. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And the problem is that many times when people will categorize and compartmentalize others on their journey of transformation. We do this all the time. We, don't, we, 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 will, we will meet somebody, and depending on where we met them or, or, or what we find out about them, we tend to categorize them. We tend to compartmentalize them, forgetting that they, too, are in a process of transformation. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. It's funny how we will allow ourselves to process what we want others to do instantaneously. Y'all ain't hearing me. It's funny how we will allow ourselves process what we demand of others to do instantaneously. You see what I'm saying? Think about this. When, when, when you get somebody upset at you and you ask for forgiveness, you want them to forgive you right then. Well, I said, sorry. I said, sorry, a half a second ago. You should be done. You should be good. But when they get you mad and they say, sorry, you want to wait a minute. Y'all ain't hearing me. You want to wait a second. You say, I'll, I'll give it an hour, two days, five years. Come on. Come on. Right? And you won't offer the same grace that you want them to offer you. Isn't that funny? And the church has become proficient at demanding transformation without giving the grace to transform. And watch this, write this down. We tend to categorize people by their vices instead of their victories. By their vices instead of their victories. We do this all the time. The church has become professionals at this. Listen up, Christians. You're professionals at this. Look at, look, look at the people in the Bible. Blind Barnabas, He ain't blind anymore. Why do we call him that? The woman with the issue of blood. She was healed of that, remember? But we want, we want to shackle them to their vice instead of their victory. Doubting Thomas. He stopped doubting, just so y'all know. In case you didn't hear the news. Right? And so here's the thing is this is what you need to understand is this, is that transformation is a process. It's a process. It's a process. Say, I'm going through a process. I'm going through a process, right? You need to understand I'm in the middle of my metamorphosis. I'm I'm in my chrysalis, you know, you're bringing condemnation to me while I'm still in my chrysalis, right? Paul says, I've not yet obtained it, but forgetting what is behind me, I push forward to the prize that is set before me. In other words, I'm not yet who I will be, but I'm not who I used to be. I'm not yet who I will be, but I'm not who I used to be. Right? There's a process. So before you're too quick to judge, remember there's a process. There's a process. Now, now, let me explain the process because there's a tendency to hear what I'm saying and take the pendulum from legalism and swing it all the way over to license. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's that tendency oh, yeah, don't be legalistic. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, shout him. Now I have a license to do what I want because I'm in a process. No, baby. <laughs> Listen up, brother. Mm-mm. That's not what I'm saying. Because write this down. The process that the Bible speaks of is not void of produce. The process that the Bible speaks of is not void of produce. So, what's this process, number two? What's the process? Well, look at it again at our, at our verse, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, right, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. One degree of glory to another. See, In theological terms, what what this means is this, justification is instantaneous, but sanctification is a process. So the minute that you accept Jesus Christ, that very moment that you say, Jesus, you are my Lord, I am a sinner, I repent, I realize I need you, all of that stuff, with that very minute, bam, you are now justified before God. If you have that, well, what does justify mean? Just as if I had never sinned. Justified before God, right? I didn't. That wasn't from me, so, you know, don't get... Ooh, Pastor Rod, that I don't know. That's been around for a while. I don't know who said it. All right? But, sanctify, but sanctification is a process. In other words, transformation, real transformation, y'all, is not switching from the to-do list of the flesh to the to-do list of the law. See, when Paul replaces the list, the works of the flesh, he does not replace it with the works of the law but he replaces it with the fruit of the Spirit. That's what he does, the fruit of the Spirit. Pastor Roger, what are you talking about? Glad you asked. Galatians chapter five, check it out. This is what he says. He says this, this is Paul. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions uh, and, and, and factions and envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before. Now, before you all start saying, ooh, listen, I think you might be in some of those fits of rage, envy. I'm pretty sure I can. One of these will hit you, if you're honest. So don't don't, don't go too crazy, right? But he says this, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what he says. In other words, the Christian alternative to immoral behavior is not a list of moral behaviors, right? It's not that, but it's a fruit. Why does Paul suddenly use the word fruit? Why doesn't he say traits or characteristics? But he used the word fruit, and he uses it deliberately because he is wanting to invoke a metaphor of organic growth, of organic growth. It's a process. Let me ask you this. How long would it take you to erect a brick wall? Just think about a brick wall. Think about one that's as high as you want it to go. How long would that take you? Now, let me ask you this question. How long would it take you to grow a tree that same height? Well, the brick wall is going to be a lot faster because it's mechanical. The tree is going to be slower because it's organic growth. You see that? And for centuries, commentaries have noticed that Paul does something very strange here. He says fruit, singular word, fruit, right? Fruit, carpos, fruit. But then he gives you a list. So the subject is singular, but the predicate is plural. Now, for those of you who know grammar, you're like, ah, Paul, shouldn't have done that. That's not good grammar, Paul. No, Paul meant to do it, he meant to. Because he's doing this on purpose because he's trying to show us something incredibly important about real transformation, real change. And if he says this, basically what he's saying is, look, if you want to know if you have real transformation, real love, real joy, real peace, not counterfeit, not artificial, not counterfeit. In other words, not a kind of peace that will come when your circumstance changes and then leave when your circumstance changes. Not a type of joy that you have, but then all of a sudden when all hell breaks loose, that joy's out the window. That's counterfeit. He says, if you want to know, then you have to see that this list of fruit, one fruit, is interconnected and interdependent. Interconnected and interdependent. Let's look at it again. Spirit uh, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Keep that up for just a minute. Look at that. All of these things are interconnected, and interdependent. Let me explain what I mean. Let's take uh, peace and humility. If you have peace, but you don't have humility, then you have a false peace because your peace, instead of being built on humility, is interconnected with pride. The reason you have peace is because you chose the right job because you went to the right school. You chose the right person to marry. You made right decisions you know, so you're, you're prideful. Now you have this peace. Your kids are doing well, and your family's doing well, and your marriage is doing well, and your career's doing well. But what happens when all of a sudden your career's not doing well? What happens when all of a sudden one of your kids go crazy? Right? Yeah. Yeah. What happens when all of a sudden the marriage that was so great ends up not being so great? Talk about that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and so, but you, you have to have them both. You, you can't do, it's almost like if I were to hold up an apple, I wish I would have brought it. If I were to hold up and said, listen, I want you to take all the molecules and atoms, and I, and I want you to just give me the atoms, but, but keep the molecule. Well, you get rid of the whole apple because they're interconnected. You see? G- gentleness and faithfulness. How about gentleness and faithfulness? Some of you guys, listen, you're real gentle. You're just a gentle person. And it's just, you Even if you weren't Christian, you'd be gentle. It's just your personality. You're just a gentle person, right? But you might not be faithful. Because being faithful, faithful to God, faithful to his word, faithful to his command, takes courage. Because sometimes you have to confront. And many times people who are gentle don't want to confront because many times they're fear of rejection. So you have a false sense of gentleness, Because your gentleness is only built on the fact that you wanna make sure you're not rejected. Y'all see what I'm saying? It's all one fruit. They're all interconnected. And is this fruit growing in your life? Or have you just made temporary modifications to the exteriors of your life, but not the infrastructure of your heart? Are we experiencing real transformation? I'm not asking, have you experienced transformation? I'm asking, are you currently still experiencing transformation? You hear the difference? Are you still? If not, why not? Why has your transformation become stagnant and stunted? Let me just give you two really quick. Number 1 possibility is guilt and shame. So once a month the staff gets together and Pastor Phil leads us through a staff chapel and these have been amazing and this last time this was mentioned and about guilt and shame and how we allow our guilt and shame to hold hostage God's grace. Pastor Phil talked us through that how we allow our guilt and shame To hold hostage God's grace. Some of you, your growth has stunted because you've allowed your guilt and shame to hold hostage God's grace. But you need to know you're no longer under the law, you're under grace. And there's a difference. See, you please the lawgiver because you have to. But you please the grace giver because you want to. There's a difference. And you need to allow your guilt to meet God's grace. So that might be one reason, maybe. One more. Number two, maybe it's because it's become mechanical. You, you went from growing trees to laying bricks. All of this has just become mechanical. It's just become mechanical for you. It's become routine. That's all it is. And even, and what's so crazy about it, it's even in the midst of this whole past year of pandemic and things got shook up and now you couldn't come to church anymore. And oh, and guess what? Your life was still mechanical. You're like, oh, I know I'm going to take this year to really dive deep with God, and you didn't. You <laughs> just busied it up with something else, Hello. right? It's mechanical, right? I was listening to a sermon by Pastor Jack Hayford, who who exp- who, who explained it this way, and he and he was talking about real transformation, and he, and he said this that you know historically society has basically said there's two ways to change your life. The ancient way is to sort of summon up your mind and reason and, and have that sort of dominate your passions, and, and, and you'll change just by sheer willpower. That's the ancient way. The, the modern way is almost opposite of that. The modern way says, no, no, look at your emotions and your desires and identify the strongest feelings you have and express that. And by expressing that, then you become your authentic self. The ancient way and the modern way. But but let me tell you something why n- n- that neither of those work because here's why. Neither of them actually transform your heart. Neither of them do. Let me just give you an example. Almost through. Don't worry, we'll be the Baptist at the buffet. Uh, watch this. Uh, remember how I mentioned earlier the woman at the well? Remember that? Mm-hmm. So, so, so Jesus met this woman at the well and, 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 and they're talking, Right? And he basically says, listen, I have life-giving water that you don't know of, but if you drink it, you'll never thirst again. And then out of nowhere, what seems to be sort of a non-relative, non-sequitur type of way, he says, now go get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. He says, I know you had five, and now the guy you're with is just kind of a side thing. And she said, oh, you're a prophet. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, why did he do that? Was he changing the subject? No, no, no. He wasn't changing the subject. What he was saying is this. He says, if you really want to understand what this transformation water is about, you need to know this, that you're already looking for it. You're already digging wells. You're already looking for it. And for that person in particular, she was looking for it in men. And what he's saying is this. You're already looking for it, guys. You're already looking for transformation. Transformation. But where are you looking for it? Men, women, career, marriage, parenting, children, sex, pleasure, money. And if you look at it for anything else, any of those things, or any other thing that's not him, then you will thirst again. You'll thirst again. You'll go from one career, and that career will get bored, and you go to another career, and that career will get bored, and it'll never be enough. Some amount of money, and then you need another amount of money, and it'll never be enough. Thirst again, you see but he said this, if you drink the living water that comes from me, you won't thirst again. You won't thirst again. He says, because listen, he says, because I will thirst so you don't have to. Remember on the cross? Remember the cross? He says, I will thirst so you don't have to. This also came by chapel, which is this, real transformation. He say that sounds great, that sounds awesome, but how do I get it? And in 10 minutes, I'm gonna tell you how. Ready? Watch this. This came from Chapel 2. By understanding that it's not mastering a technique, but it's about entering a relationship. Now, you're going to have to ask Pastor Phil who said that, but it's not about mastering a technique, but it's about entering a relationship. See, it's not just about understanding the problem of transformation and the process of transformation, but it's also understanding the person of transformation. Number three, the person of transformation. See, with the woman at the well, Jesus ends up talking to her. And when he talks to her, he ends up talking about true worship. He says, listen, I'm gonna to talk to you about what it means to have true worship. Yeah, thank you, God. True worship. Why, why did he say that? Well, because listen, she did the same thing that Peter did on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they did, he did the same thing that the Church of Corinth did. What'd they do? Well, look what Peter did. Peter, they're up on this mountain. They're having this glory experience. And Jesus is having a private conversation with Moses, Elijah. And Peter kind of butts in. So he says, he says, this is glorious, Lord. This is wonderful. Right? And that's just Peter is. Remember when Jesus went to go wash the, their feet? And Peter said, no, 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 Lord. You can't wash my feet. I'm not worthy. You know? And, and, and Jesus says, well, listen, uh, if I wash your feet, then, then all part of you get baptized. All, all of it gets washed. And he says, oh, okay, Well, that case, wash everything. He's just extreme sometimes. You don't think. He just let, he does no filter. He just lets it out. But guess what? Grace transformation is for that person too. It's egalitarian. It's for everybody. And so here's Peter, and he says, "Hey, listen." He goes, "I want to I want to build I want to build the, these tabernacles, these three tabernacles as memorials. One, one for you, Lord, and, and one for Elijah, and one for Moses. And, and there's a couple problems there. One is he's putting Jesus on the same playing field as Moses and Elijah, just another prophet, just another man of God." And that's a problem because Jesus makes exclusive claims. He makes exclusive claims. But then look at what happens. The Bible says that God had a cloud go all around the disciples. A cloud of glory. So much so that they had to close their eyes and and they heard God's voice saying, This is my son. Love him. Obey him. Listen to him. And then when, they, when, when the cloud lifted and they opened their eyes, it said that it was only Jesus standing there. Only Jesus. Look at this, verse 18, our verse again, watch this. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed to the same image, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. How how does this happen? How how does real trans does it happen by applying a a new set of moral laws to your life? No. It happens depending on who you're beholding. Who you're beholding. Who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? N.T. Wright says this, you become like what you worship. When you gaze in awe, admiration, and wonder at something or someone, you begin to take on something of the character of that object that you worship. Are you beholding the gospel? Or in our generation that is so distracted and and has so many other things that it is easy to begin to behold other things? But when we begin to be like, wait a minute, real transformation happens and it's a process, but how that happens is by continually going back and beholding the gospel of Jesus Christ, beholding that he died for your sins, beholding that he resurrected again, beholding that he's gonna come back, beholding the gospel, beholding. So that way when you do fall and when you do fail, you go back and you realize that the reason you fell and the reason that you, that you, that, that, that you failed and, and that you fell was because you, for, for, for a moment, you began to beheld something else. We, we do that, we begin to behold something else. And we have to realign ourselves. Because the Bible says you're sheep. The Bible says we're sheep. And there's a difference between sheep and a pig when they fall into the mud, right? Right, Because when the sheep falls into mud, it instantly wants to get out. It says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Nope, never mind. I don't like this. I'm not comfortable. But when, but when the hog wants to go into the mud, it wants to wallow in it. It says, oh yeah, actually I like this. I'm going to stay here. Because it's, it's two different natures. But the Bible says that when you experience a metamorphosis, that when you're in the process of it, that you become a new creature. You, you take on this new nature that is done by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is changing you. But it's not instantaneous. And, and, and so don't, you know, somebody gives their heart to Jesus today, don't expect them to be a saint tomorrow, right? It, 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 but, but, but listen, what it does say is this is a process, but it's a process that should produce. Real transformation. And when you get this, when you get this, then all of a sudden, things like peace and joy and self-control, all of a sudden, those things become real. As we begin to worship, when we get into this next song, I want us to just have a moment to just behold him. I want, us to, I want us to do that now because uh, to be honest, this whole week, and if you're honest, you've probably began to behold other things. You, you've allowed probably other, I know I have, allowed other things to be your main focus. To be what you're looking at. And so then you have nights filled with anxiety and your body is filled with worry and your heart is filled with pain and frustration and guilt and Shame. You're upset. You're angry. And you're trying to figure out how do you handle all that. And and for some of you you just try to sleep it off. For some of you, you just try to ignore it. For some of you, you just try to make your life busy so you don't have to face it, but it's still there. Let's let our fruit begin to grow again and experience the process of metamorphosis real transformation Lord God I thank you for today I thank you for your word and I pray Holy Spirit that you'll forgive us for the times that we've began to behold other things more than you help us right now God to realign our hearts and realign our focus and put, put our focus into the frame of the gospel. Because God, it is you that fills us. It's your breath that is in our lungs, God. And Heavenly Father, we, we, uh, I, it, maybe this thing has become mechanical and not organic. Maybe maybe we've, maybe we've been treating you like this is a business transaction instead of a relationship between a father and his child. Maybe for some of us, the guilt and the shame has held the, your, your grace hostage, God. Help us, God, to just begin to behold you. In your name we pray.